Welcome to Transforming Lives with Michael Carter, pastor of The Life Church. The Life Church is a place where you'll enjoy interactive dynamic worship, prayer, and a very practical, down-to-earth yet spiritual message. Our service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night reboot at 6.45 p.m. Visit us at mychurchlife.org or on Facebook. Just search My Church Life and look for The Life Church. Now, let's join Pastor Mike. You know, we're in this series called Hedges. We just started it last week and um, we're talking about a metaphor, really, that where God places a hedge around us and our families and our businesses and our homes and our lives and, yes, our 401ks and uh, everything that we have. You know, last week we kind of talked about a prayer hedge and how we uh, play a part in fortifying that hedge. You know, as we... <clears throat> As we go about our business in 2021 with what some people would call a, a new normal, you know, we're, 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 we're talking about getting everyone vaccinated. We're talking about, uh, you know, will we always have to wear masks? How has the world changed and all the things that we've dealt with? And I began to think about, uh, you know, some of the things that we've dealt with over the past couple of years and I began to think about some of the things that I've dealt with and that we've dealt with over a lifetime. And I began to think about all the division. And I began to think about the pandemic. And I began to think about all of the things that the enemy has thrown against us. I began to think about the kitchen sink because he's thrown that too. Amen. And I think about all of these things, all of these ways to divide us as a people. Not only as the church, as humans, but I can speak on the church. And I think about all of the ways that were meant to place a wedge in between all of us. I mean, you just look at us in the natural. You know, some of us have brown skin, some of us have lighter skin, some of us have a little more hair than others, some of us are a little taller, some of us are shorter, some of us come from an Italian culture, forget about it. Some of us have a southern culture, some of us uh, European, African, all over the world, we, we grew up differently, our, our, our thoughts are different. There's, there's, there's so many differences in this room right here. That it seems like it'd be easy for the enemy to come in and separate us. Hot buttons that we have, whether it's economics or politics or culture or raising your kids. or uh, There's so many things that the enemy has, has tried to throw in to separate us. But just this morning as we were talking, Sister Carrie, I realized something. And that something is three words that came to mind. We're still here. We are still here after everything that has gone on up to this point. After all of the division. After all of the strife. After all of the things that we've done. After everything the enemy's brought against us. After everything that we've brought against ourselves. 
There's some things that we've done ourselves that have caused us to split. Come on. Where the enemy's just sitting back saying, I don't have to do anything. They're arguing over something I didn't even throw out there. Oh, this is easy. I don't have anything to do. We've tried to do it ourselves. But in the midst of all of that, we're still here. We are still here. And the church is still here. And I want to tell you something this morning, in case you don't realize it, I'm sure that you do, but can I remind you that we're always going to be here. Until Jesus comes, we will be here. We will be here no matter what happens. I was talking to my daughter last night, and we were uh, talking to, to, to one of them. I have four of them. So uh, I was talking, speaking with one of them last night, and we just got to talking about, you know, sort of a, a philosophical discussion about, you know, what's going to happen, and, uh, you know, things are changing, and, uh, you know, should we be uh, in fear of, of, of walking down the street, and, uh, you know, what, what's going to happen? How, how's the world going to change? And, you know, one of the things that my wife said is, uh, you know, we've been through so much already, and we're still here and we have the love of God we have his grace and so we don't have to worry no matter what there is nothing that the enemy can bring against us that he hasn't already tried and that's what we have to realize we are still here we're still here as a church white black old young Different cultures, no matter what it is, different political views, different economical views, whatever it may be, we are still here. And you know why? The common thread is the blood of Jesus. The common thread is that Jesus died on the cross for all of us. And I, I don't, I don't want to get your, your, your hair standing up this morning on, on your skin. But I just want to tell you, you know, because people, you know, try to avoid these subjects and avoid, you know, some of, some of the names and all of that. But I want to tell you this morning, and, and you can throw some things at me. I better stand back here when I say some of this stuff. But I want you to know that uh, Jesus died on the cross for Charles Manson. He died on the cross for Donald Trump. He died on the cross for Joe Biden. He died on the cross for whoever you want to think of that's done the most despicable thing. Jesus died on the cross for them. I believe if you would look at your Bible, saints, you would see that Jesus said, I did not come for those who are well. So if you are righteous, and some may be self-righteous, and you have it all together, that's great. Guess what? Jesus came for those who don't have it all together. I remember uh, the woman who was caught in adultery and how she was thrown before Jesus. And everyone said, listen, this, the penalty is, is stoning and it's death. And we, that's where we get our famous cliche, drop your rocks. That's where we get that from. Drop your rocks. He who was out without sin, right, what? Cast the first stone. And everybody dropped their rocks and they left. Young to old, old to young, whatever it was. And Jesus was left there. And I love the scene right after that. You know, many of us look at that and we say, wow, that was powerful. That, what a great story. But the story doesn't end there. Jesus bends down because they threw the woman down before him. And he bends down and he's on the ground. And earlier he was writing on the ground. As they were saying, you going to stone her? What are you going to do? And he was just kind of writing on the ground. And he looks up and he says, woman, where are your accusers? And she's laying there. I have none, Lord. And he says, then neither do I accuse you. The God of the universe, 
He came for people who the devil accuses. Have you been accused? That's who he came for. He came for those that the enemy accuses. Now, he didn't lower the standard. He said, and we don't, can't forget this, he said, go and sin no more. So he's not lowering the standard, folks. But at the same time, he comes with a mercy and a compassion for all. And we have to remember that, church. We're still here. No matter what, we are still here. We are still here. And the way we're going to remain here is by continuing to fortify this hedge that God is placing around us to protect us from any and all things that the enemy would throw against us. We talked last week about how prayer helps to fortify that edge, that hedge. And yes, and it gives us an edge. But as you, uh, as you begin to, to, to pray and have a prayer time every single day, it, it, it helps to shore up the foundation of that hedge. We're going to talk just for a few moments this morning about a personal hedge that God has around us. We're going to talk in the next few weeks about a relational hedge. We're going to talk about a possessions hedge. Yes, there is a possessions hedge. And we're going to talk about the favor hedge. But today we're going to focus for a few moments on the personal hedge. You see, a personal hedge is built by activating all essential spiritual disciplines. Come on. That secure a vibrant spiritual life and it contributes to ongoing fortification of the hedge. Job 1.10 we know it. The devil came to God. Somehow he got an audience with the Almighty and he came to God. And God said, what are you doing? He said, I'm going about throughout the earth to and fro. King James, to and fro. Seeing what I can devour, seeing who I can mess with, seeing who I can tempt. And God himself said, have you considered my servant Job? The devil didn't go to, to, to God and say, hey, uh, 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 let me go tempt Job. In fact, it doesn't even indicate that Satan was thinking about Job. But God said, have you considered my servant Job? And here's what Satan said in, in verse 10 of chapter 1. He said, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. Have you not done that? Have you not done that? Have you not made a hedge around him, his whole house? You've blessed him. I can't get to him. God said, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll remove the hedge because I know what you're doing. You're accusing, you're saying the only reason he's serving you is because there's a hedge. There's a hedge. There's a hedge. And the story goes on. But I want to focus, we, we, when we focus on Job, a lot of times we focus on the suffering and the restoration. I don't want to, I'm not going to preach on the suffering this morning and the restoration of Job. I want to go all the way back. Let's back it up and let's talk about the hedge that was there. And how God has a hedge that he's put around us. And how we do things to open up breaches in that hedge. And we wonder why we find ourselves in situations. And if we would look back and see how we breached the hedge ourselves. We've allowed the enemy to come in, not God. 
And so there's a personal hedge that God has. That's your own personal life. That's, uh, th that's, that's your, your mind. Listen, we need to be in our right mind. Mental health is something that we need to talk about in the church. Come on. It's something that we need to discuss in the church. And I don't mean just by something spiritual and laying hands. It's something we need to discuss. And I believe God wants us to talk about that. And we will. But if you, if you look at that genre, you'll realize that to serve God, you need to be in your right mind. Think about Nebuchadnezzar. Some of you may not be as familiar with the story of Nebuchadnezzar. But God took his mind for a while. He was out in the backyard eating grass like a cow because his mind. God puts a hedge around your mind. How many of you, and you may not admit it, and it's okay, don't raise your hands, but how many of you in your life have felt like you were losing your mind? Come on. I, I, I'm not afraid to admit, yes, there have been times in my life where I have felt like saying, I am losing my mind. But God will put a hedge around your mind. He'll put a hedge around your body. He'll put a hedge around you personally so that when people attack you, when they talk about you, when you find yourself in different situations, it won't bother you even though it's offensive. Come on. Even though it's something that could tear you down, there's a hedge around you. We're talking about a personal hedge. Let me quickly give you eight absolutes of a personal hedge. If you want to go through life, listen, Jesus is our peace. But if we want to go through life walking in peace, we need to understand this personal hedge. Because if this personal hedge is breached, we won't walk in peace. Every little thing will bother you. You ever, you ever gone through a day and it seems like everything bothers you? Everything, everything someone says, it gets on your nerve. My mother used to have a saying, boy, you getting on my last nerve. And I wanted so bad to say, mom, I thought you had more nerves than that. But I never said it. I'm still alive. Still here, Eldon. You ever gone through a day and just felt like everything is getting on my nerves? You know, I, I had a day, I had a day yesterday where I, I, you know, I was praying about a certain thing. And no sooner than I prayed about this thing, something else broke on the thing that I was praying about. And I want to say, now, Lord, this is not how this works. I'm speaking to it. This is not how this works. And you feel like everything is going wrong. We need to look at that personal hedge. That personal hedge. And there's eight absolutes about this personal hedge. The first thing <clears throat> that we have to realize is, is a personal hedge has to be cultivated. Anything you do is going to take some work. A garden doesn't grow overnight. A farmer doesn't plant corn on Monday and on Tuesday go out and start talking about where is my corn? What's the problem here? Well, how come the corn's not grown? It doesn't happen that way. It, we, it needs to be cultivated. We need to spend some time. We need to not neglect our personal hedge. We need to not neglect our spiritual life. Because if you neglect it, come on. Example, just like our bodies. Come on, there's, there's been this big push about physical fitness, you know, and eating right, what we eat. And you know as well as I do that if we neglect it, we don't know where it'll end up. Come on. We can't neglect our spiritual life. 
Proverbs 24, 31 says, And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles, and its stone was broken down. You ever gone by an, an old house, and <clears throat> you haven't been by that house in years, and nobody's moved into the house, and nobody's taking care of it, and uh, four years ago, it, it looked like it, the grass was all trimmed, and it looked kind of nice, but and nobody's taking care of it. You come back about four years later, and you drive by, and the grass is all overgrown, and windows are broken, and it looks like one of those houses, if you say Mary five times, she might come out and and get you, you know, one of those houses on Halloween. Some of you guys don't know about that, so I probably shouldn't mention that. But, you know, it, it just looks crazy. And, and that's what happens to our spiritual life when we neglect it. A personal hedge must be cultivated. Romans 12, 11 says, Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Neglecting our own spiritual life ruins our hedge, and it allows unnecessary attacks upon vital areas in our life. We have to think about purposefully our spiritual life and our spirituality. We have to spend some time there. And number two, personal hedges right along with it, they're built by activating spiritual disciplines. Come on, anything worth having is worth working for. There needs to be some disciplines. Disciplines make room for the Word and the Spirit to work in us. They, pre they prevent, uh, you know, destructive feelings and all of these things that come against us, spiritual disciplines. There are so many of us that all we want to do is we want to say a few words and sit back and say, let me allow God to do his thing. And God is saying, I'm so glad that you spoke all of those things into existence. I'm just sitting back waiting for you to do your thing. Because he wants us to get up and do something. There's some spiritual disciplines that we must have. Spiritual disciplines are a means of receiving God's grace. They allow us to place ourselves before God so he can transform us. We need to come into his presence. Come into his presence where there's a fullness of joy. We have to come into his presence where there are pleasures evermore. We need to go to him. Go to him because he's calling softly and tenderly. Come on. Jesus is calling for us to come to him. He's calling for us. So he wants us to go into that place and have some spiritual disciplines. Jesus put it this way. He said, take my yoke upon you. He didn't say, I'm going to place my yoke upon you whether you like it or not. It's not what he said. He said, take my yoke upon you. And learn from me. You learn from me. There's a part we play in this, folks. For I am gentle, lowly in heart, and you will find rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Make no mistake about it. You're going to have a yoke in life. And for some people, that sounds a little ominous, doesn't it? Boy, I'm going to, there's going to be a yoke. I don't have a choice. There's going to be a yoke around my neck. There's going to be a bit in my mouth leading me this way or that way. Yes, there is. But Jesus says, if you take my yoke upon you, come on, I'll lead you the right direction because you're going to be led whether you know it or not. You may think I'm my own person. I do what I want to do. Nobody tells me what to do, but listen, listen, nobody gets this, this far in life without having some experiences shape how they think without having some media outlets come on, at least affect, you might say it doesn't, but it, but it affects the way that you think and the way that you talk. 
the family you grew up in. Come on, there's all kind of environmental and outside forces that are working either for us or against us. And so Jesus is saying, listen, take my yoke upon you. I'll help you navigate through all of it. Spiritual disciplines. We have to purposefully go to him. Which leads us to number three, personal hedges are made of a personal relationship to Jesus. I know that many of you know this already, but I just want to remind you that this thing that we're talking about is not about do's and don'ts, and it's not about laws, and it's not even about rights and wrongs. And I know you might say, well, Brother Mike, that's sacrilegious. What do you mean? There's a, there's a right. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. Of course there is. But if I can take you all the way back to the garden, God's initial intention was not for us to try to figure out what's right and wrong. Come on. He said, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can eat of every other tree, every other fruit. But of that tree, it's forbidden. Why? Why would you forbid me of knowing what's right and what's wrong? Why? Because he knows what's right and what's wrong. All he wants you to do is follow him. Pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. I have the path that's right. What makes you so right? Oh, I don't know. I've been around forever. Uh, I created the universe. I created you. I gave you your feelings and emotions. I gave you the way that you look. I gave you the thoughts that you have. I gave you blood in your body. I gave you all of these things. I don't know. Maybe some of that will play into the fact that I know what's best. And so take my yoke upon you. And that's why we need this personal relationship. It's about relationship. That's what it's about with Jesus. It's about a relationship. It's about a relationship. And number four, personal hedges are made of personal devotions to the word of God. Listen, the purpose of daily devotions is to reconnect your heart with God through the Holy Spirit and through the word. That's how he talks to us, his rhema word. And through his spirit. And we need to form habits. Because there are, I, I preach on it every Sunday, most, most every Sunday, is that there are practical things in addition to being so spiritual that God has laid out for us. Practical things that we have to do. And, and, and so there's, there, there's things, uh, there's habits that we, habits are not all bad. There's some habits that we need to form. You know, a lot of people in church, we talk about traditions, and I'm one of them. They talk about there are so many traditions that are, that are man-made and, so, and, and are useless, and, and we think that they're holy. Even taking communion, how often we take it, how we take it. You know, if you look back at the Bible, what did Jesus say? As often as you do this, his emphasis was on do this in remembrance of me. But we take and we put the emphasis on so many other things, how we dress at church. All of these things are traditions that we hold for some reason. But along with that, there are some traditions that are good. I think baptism is a tradition that's good. I think that loving one another is a tradition that's good. And there are some habits that are good habits. There are some things that you can do to be purposeful about your spiritual life. Decide on a time that you're going to spend with God. You can do that. 
Everything just doesn't have to be. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting on the Holy Spirit to tell me. And no matter where I am, I could be driving down the freeway. If the Holy Spirit says, talk to me now, then I'll just pull over. All right, I understand God can work that way. But you know what? You can decide on a time to be with him. You can decide on a place. You can decide your time frame. 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 5 minutes, whatever it is. You can decide on a structure. Are you going to pray, meditate, read, pray again? How are you going to do it? Uh, you can choose a Bible reading plan. You can choose your journal. Are you going to write it down? Are you going to do it on the notes in your phone? Are you old school like me and you're going to write it in a journal? Because when I write it, even if I don't ever go back to it, there's something about writing it down for me that helps to keep it in my mind. But it's how you want to do it. I remember there's a football coach years ago. He used to coach the Colorado Buffaloes. His name was Bill McCartney, and he started Promise Keepers. Some of you men, us older guys, you remember Promise Keepers? And he started this Promise Keepers movement. But he told a story about how he would talk to uh, the young men on his football team the, the day before a game. They'd have a real hard practice, and then he'd bring his, his captains into his office, and he'd set... Uh, uh, he'd set them in a chair and he'd, he'd turn his chair around and he'd sit and he'd look at them face to face without a mask on. And he'd look right, he'd look him right in the eye. And, uh, you know, he'd ask him, he'd say, now listen, tomorrow we're going to play Oklahoma. That's our rival. We haven't beaten them in three years. What can you give me tomorrow as your coach? And maybe if the player was a running back, he'd say, you know what, coach? I'm going to do everything I can to not miss a block. And I'm going to do everything I can to get at least one extra yard after somebody tries to tackle me. I'm going I'm to I'm try to get one extra yard every time. And you know what he'd say? He'd say, okay, then that's what I'm going to expect out of you. See, he didn't tell them what to do the next day. He asked them, what can I expect out of you? And then he held them to it. I feel like there are some people in here today and some people that are watching that God is telling, you're waiting on God to tell you what to do. And he's saying, what can I expect out of you? What can I expect out of you? How, will, will you pray? Will you pray three times a week? Will you pray five days a week? Will you pray every day for five minutes? Will you pray three days for 30 minutes? Will you pray an hour for two days? Whatever it may be. And you'll say, well, I'll do this, Lord. And he's going to say, okay, then that's what I'm going to expect from you. See, there's a part that we play in this relationship. It wouldn't be a relationship if we didn't have a part to play. Though we depend on God for everything. But if we, he gave us no part in it, then we'd be puppets, not relational children. And so we can make a, a, a devotion to the word of God on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, whatever it may be. And then a big one is personal hedges are made of personal purity. I remember when you talk about purity, it's a tough word. It's a tough word in today's time when you talk about purity because many of us have our own idea of what purity is. I remember going over to the Philippines for the very first time and uh, I had had here in the States, you know, many fruits, types of fruits that were good. I'd eaten papaya before. I'd had mango before. You know, I'd, I'd had coconut milk even. But when I got to the Philippines and they, uh, one of the young men 
climbed a tree and got some mangoes out of the tree and sliced it in half and gave it to me. The first words out of my mouth after I tasted it were, Lord, take me now. This is the best thing I've ever had in life. I just want to stay here and eat mangoes every day because this is some good stuff. Because it was pure. No preservatives. No waiting on the shelf. No shipped on trucks. No being refrigerated. Picked right off the tree and cut. There's something about purity. There is something about being pure. And you don't think God is the same way? Now God, God loves to, to clean us up. <laughs> Come on, he knows that we're not clean. And so we don't have to clean ourselves to go to God. But there's something about keeping ourselves pure before God. I'll even go as far to say this. I know I might get on some of your nerves, young people. But there's something about keeping yourself pure before you find the one that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. I know that's a hard subject. I know. I understand it. But, but, but listen, there is something about it. There is something about being pure when you go into the presence of the Lord. A personal purity. Personal hedges are made by renewing your mind. Kind of change the way that you think. We know Romans 12, 12. We know that it says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. Listen to the way that the New Living Translation puts it. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Not based on what Pastor Mike is telling you which is good and pleasing and perfect. The message version puts it this way. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. That's the way the message version puts it. This personal head is made up of our re renewed mind, removing the strongholds of thought patterns and thought distortions that we allow to come in. Wrong thinking can destroy your hedge and it can allow the enemy to manipulate you by influencing your thought life to think wrong. And in case you're wondering what wrong thinking is, it's anything that's opposed to what God would tell you. Many of us think we know the right way to think because that seems like it's the right thing. But God knows what's right. There's a way that seems right unto man. And guess what? That applies to you and me as well. There is a way that seems right unto man, but it leads to destruction. Number seven, personal hedges are made of a forgiving spirit, folks. The person who accepts forgiveness adopts an attitude toward themselves that transforms their attitude toward others. You know, one of the things that uh, my, my, my daughter asked me last night, she said, well, how do you, how do you navigate things emotionally when 
you know, when you're dealing with somebody and, uh, you know, and they, they require, uh, you know, something from you and you just don't have anything else to give. Uh, do you, do you cut them off? How do you deal with that? You know, uh, because, you know, your job is to, is to deal with people. And, and certainly at some point you must be drained. And, uh, and Jody, you know what I'm talking about as, as a counselor. At some point, you, you know, you must be drained and you, you're always giving out. How do you deal with that? I said, yeah, you know, it is, it is difficult sometimes because it is draining when you hear uh, things that other people are going through and it, it pulls on your heart and you hate to hear some of the things that are going on and, and, and different levels and different things and all of this stuff. But I told her, I said, you know what I do? I take a moment. I look in the mirror and I remember how Jesus never gave up on me. How no matter how far I got, after becoming a Christian, no matter how I turned my back on him, no matter how I didn't obey, no matter all the things that I've done, he never turned his back on me. And when I think about that, now I'm able to come back and go, okay, what is it that you need? I'm strengthened now. What is it that you need? And now all of a sudden, it's not hard to forgive people, no matter what the offense. When you begin to realize just how Jesus forgave you, my prayer, Lord, I choose not to hold on to my resentment. I thank you for setting me free from the bondage of bitterness. I relinquish the right to seek revenge and ask you to heal my damaged emotions. I now ask you to bless those who have hurt me. This is my prayer. I wrote it down. In Jesus' mighty name, repair my hedge now by a mighty miracle of the Holy Spirit allowing me to forgive even as I am forgiven. It takes a forgiving spirit. And lastly, our personal hedge is made of the spiritual armor that we put on. Let me just leave you with Ephesians 6, 10 through 17, where Paul said, Finally, my brethren, we know it. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. We're still here, church. We're still here. He goes on to say, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, not self-righteousness, but his righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. That's what Jesus said. Blessed are the peacemakers, those that make peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Shield of faith. Come on. With which you will be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. This thing that we're in, this life that we're living is about relationship with Jesus. It's about loving him and it's about understanding just how much he loves us.
We need to fortify our personal hedge, folks. 